We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into another edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Riverland Roofing. I'm Neil McCready, joined by MPW Digital Football Expert Pete DeWeese. Get you ready for uh, number 20, number 20, Ole Miss at number 24, Tulane. I almost got the rankings mixed up and boy, don't want to do that. Someone will get upset. 20th ranked Ole Miss at 24th ranked Tulane. The winner of this game will still be in the AP top 25 come Monday. The loser will not. There you go. I'll just I'll tell you that it's a loser leave, loser leave town match in New Orleans. 2.30 ESPN2. Uh, both teams one and oh Ole Miss coming off a 73 to 7 thrashing of uh, Mercer and uh, Tulane coming off a, I think a 20 point win I don't have it right in front of me I think it was 37 17 win over uh, South Alabama an impressive win for the Green Wave at home in New Orleans last week so both teams one and oh heading into uh, this one Pete how are you I'm well I'm well glad to be here glad for you to be here too we're uh, we're brought to you by our friends at Riverland Roofing would you like some peace of mind knowing that your roof is taken care of? I would. would uh, whether you need an inspection, a new roof, or a maintenance program, Riverland Roofing has you covered. Home or business, as a GAF Master Elite contractor, they can offer warranties that last a lifetime. Licensed and insured, Riverland Services Mississippi and its surrounding states. Um, they're great guys. I, 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 I talked to them. We got uh, the deal to sponsor this show done really quickly. They're awesome. They were excited to do it. They're happy to be a part of MPW Digital. So, look, if you have some roofing needs, give them a call or a text and keep this in mind. If you don't have roofing needs now and you end up having roofing needs, get in touch with our friends at Riverland. It's 662-644-4297. Again, 662-644-4297. All right, Pete, I don't know how much we can talk about a 73-7 to game. I, I told people that this is the difference between football coaches and non-football coaches. Uh, you guys can watch a film from 73-7 to and continue to kind of stay locked in. Um, I don't have like ADD or anything, but I'm going to be honest with you. Middle of the third quarter, my attention span was pretty much shot. I was done. I, I was. I looked up at one point. I said, oh, my God, are we not in the fourth quarter yet? And uh, – there was still a whole another quarter to play. And I, I don't remember the fourth quarter. Uh, I do remember that Walker Howard came in and I watched some of that. And then I went down. I was like, let's go. I felt like I was like wrangling the kids. Like it's time to go home now, everyone. 
So uh, you probably got more out of the latter part of Ole Miss Mercer than I ever will, and God bless you for it. Well, I, I literally was wrangling the kids by that point. So um, <laughs> at, at some point, Bluey went from the iPad to the television, and the game went from the television to the iPad. So uh, we, we we had them both going in our house. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, late in the game, you know, there are things that just from a cut. First of all, it's Mercer. We said it last week. Ole Miss was going to win the game. It was never in question. And there's still plenty of things to be answered still by Ole Miss. Um, in particular, I think some things defensively, you know, that, that there's still some, some questions out there. Um, but you know, from, from the standpoint of, and we've heard, we've heard Lane talk about this. You've heard other coaches talk about the past is, you know, the maturity of your team, what's it look like in those situations? Do you come out in the third quarter? Is there a lull? Is there a drop-off? Do you start to lose focus? Does everything on the sideline go from from being a little bit more business-like to being too relaxed? Um, so, you know, from that standpoint, Ole Miss was in a position where, you know, they certainly could have relaxed, and um, and and they didn't. And I and I honestly, I think that part of that was was play calling. Um, offensively in particular, I think that, um, they made the decision once they put Sanders in, they were going to let him run the show and see how he handled everything. And it wasn't just going to become a game of handoffs. And even when Walker Howard first got in the game, you know, that they were letting him run the offense, letting him operate. And so you talk about from that standpoint, you're keeping players invested because those receivers know that they might still get the ball on an RPO when in a lot of situations in those type of games, they might not. And so I, you know, I, that probably played a little bit of a factor. I do think there's so many new faces on the field in particular on the defensive side, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're all young faces. Um, and I think that's one of the shifts you've seen in college football is in the past when you've had new faces, it's meant young. And that's when you start to really worry about, you know, the maturity of your team. Now they're just new. They're not necessarily young. So, a little bit maybe more of experience, even though they're new, might help you in those situations. So yeah, it was um it certainly was not as entertaining uh by the end of it as it was early on. But um, you know, there's a lot of things I think if you're old miss, you you can be pleased about. So uh Kippen throughout this week, including Wednesday on the SEC teleconference, he he's not a super coach speaky guy. And he did a little of it before Mercer because I don't know what else you can say. I mean, I'm in fairness to Lane, the Monday before the Mercer game, you can't go, hey, we're going to smoke these guys. It's just a matter of naming our score. And that It's kind of disrespectful to do that, even though that would be the truth. He, he has spoken in kind of glowing terms about Tulane. I mean, he said, hey, this is an SEC caliber team. Uh, he is like me. He does not dismiss their win over Southern Cal in the Cotton Bowl. I don't either. Um, he has high praise for uh, Pratt, the quarterback at Tulane who uh, has put up some really impressive numbers over the past couple of seasons at uh, at Tulane, especially last season. You go look at his numbers. They're, they're, those are legit. Those are big-time numbers. The kid's a competitor. He's he's tough. His teammates clearly play for him and like him. And, um, look, I'm biased. I'm a Kane Womack supporter. Uh, Kane's a friend, a good friend. And um, Kane's got a good team. In South Alabama, there that that a twenty point win over South Alabama was impressive. Um, 
South Alabama is going to win their share of games this year. I'm just going to tell people that right now. Um, no doubt they will be a contender in the Sun Belt. So it was a, it was an impressive win. I say all that to ask this uh, as you kind of get started here. How good is Tulane? I, you know, I, I went back, but I, I did watch um, on, on YouTube. I was able to go back and watch a lot of it. Um, you know, I and I was actually talking about it with somebody today, and it's like a guy that um, I happen to to be close with that spent you know twenty some odd years on, on college sidelines, and many years as as a coordinator, and and um, you know we were talking about it and I just said you know I said the thing to me about Tulane is it hasn't always been an easy place to win and this is a guy that understands that he'd been at Georgia Tech before and they share some similar hardships from a an academic standpoint um but I said you know schools like Tulane are ones right now that are being helped by an L because they may be able to get a kid right now that they couldn't get in the past from the standpoint of they're a fan base that that probably has the the finances um to help help support in talent right now and, and being where they are from a location standpoint there's plenty of kids in Louisiana that can play ball there's plenty of kids in Texas that they can dip into so they've assembled a good roster you know i i think their receivers can run. They, they've got good speed on the outside. They've got a couple guys with good size. Uh, the tight end's a good player. Um, they're solid at the line of scrimmage. I did not get to watch as much of their defense as I did of their offense. Um, you know, the biggest thing, I, I went back and I watched every snap of the, uh, the USC game from last year. You know, Kiffin brought it up multiple times this week. It's kind of the one that people want to point to. Um, because, you know, we can all – people talk about USC's performance defensively the past several years, and, and they haven't necessarily been great. Um, but they're, they're athletic, you know, on both sides of the ball, and obviously they've got a fantastic quarterback at USC. And so for Tulane to not just be in that game but to have a chance to win it at the end and pull it out, um, I think it says a lot about what they have. Now, the biggest thing that stood out to me from watching the Tulane-USC game from last year is now, I think, on the roster for the Tennessee Titans, right? And, I mean, they had a great running back last year. He is no longer with the team. So, they – oh, he was he was fantastic. Yeah. He was yeah. fun great, to watch. Great player, yeah. Um, and, and, yeah, and so – and over the summer, in all honesty, um, a couple of friends of mine, we go back and forth and talk about different offenses to study, and Tulane was actually one that – some guys had suggested for me to study in the off season. So I spent some time looking at some of their film in the off season and he continually popped off the page. I mean, he's not there. And and so they're a little bit more by committee in the backfield. Now, I think, uh, I think Pratt, the quarterback actually led them in carries last week with uh, like maybe nine carries. And then I think the next kid was eight carries or something like that. There were three guys all right there around the same, the same number of carries. So they're not as dynamic. I don't think it tailback. Um, at least it didn't pop last week, um, the way that that they did last year at that position. Um, but I do think that um, you know Pratt in some ways reminds me of Jackson Dart um, in, in in the way that he plays in his athleticism, uh, in his build as, as a quarterback. Yeah, toughness, um, leadership. Yeah, 
to toughness. Yeah, there, there's there's some similarities in the way that the two yeah. play. I think very true. Um, I agree. What, you, what the difference is? Yeah, I think the difference is with Pratt is the reps, and and you saw. I mean, Dart appears to have made strides again against Mercer, but he appears to have made just so comfortable in some command, and they they appear to have so much trust in him uh, as a staff, and so um, he's certainly a good player, and and he's got guys to get it to, and they're not. They're not overly crazy on offense. I mean, they do a lot of things. They do a lot of things Ole Miss does offensively. Um, they they borrow from just a lot of traditional concepts, but they do a really good job of finding wrinkles from week to week. Um, and they are not afraid to take shots at certain points in the game with trick plays and 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 different things that they'll do to try to you know catch you slipping defensively. So I think you were going to. So- uh- go through a little bit of Ole Miss's offense from last week and then dive into Tulane. So uh, the floor is yours. Yeah, let's, uh, so we'll start, we'll look at, uh, we'll look at just a few clips from last week. And honestly, a lot of them early in the game. I mean, obviously the Ole Miss offense started off hot um, and, and Jackson Dart certainly started off hot. So kind of going to focus on some things early in the game. Um, a lot of things that, that if you watched Ole Miss last year, you would have seen. Um, but, but a, a few new wrinkles, uh, early in the season. Um, but you, you know, you see in my picture, my mind, um, you, you saw them offensively either, uh, putting a lot of faith in, in, in the quarterback or really trying to get a good evaluation on the quarterback and, and determine where he was. Um, you know, regardless, I, th- I think he certainly passed. Um, he did a lot of good things, both in the passing game and in the, uh, and in the RPO game. So Ole Miss started the game off, uh, with, with a pass and, and they, they got aggressive from jump and, and decided to push the ball downfield. They had good field position. I don't think they were worried about being able to, to potentially run the ball. So they, they took what's, what's a pretty common concept, which is a, a sale concept. Okay. Uh, typically on a sale concept, the outside receiver is going to be working some type of a vertical or a post route to try and clear the secondary. And the inside receiver is going to work slightly inside before bending back outside on this deep out route. What Ole Miss actually does is they switch the receivers. So the inside guy takes a slight outside release and he's going to flush the safety. And the outside receiver funnels behind him, okay, and then he is going to become that outside sell route. So what the quarterback is looking at, okay, initially is you want to see how does the safety play. If something happens where the safety comes down, your post route is going to replace behind him and open up a deep shot. And if the safety plays with depth, then our eyes are going to go to the corner. If he travels with the post route and carries it, then your out route is going to come wide open. And if that, if he comes off and sits on the out route, then typically you're either going to build a third man in the flat as a check down, or you're going to expect that out route to adjust and find the open space. So here they put the two format, the two players into the boundary right here. And you can see at the bottom, I mean, this is, this is a clear design. 
They know where they're attacking. They have predicted the coverage that they're probably going to get. And and you can watch here at the bottom of the screen, you know, th- this isn't some type of a full field progression. They literally are just telling him at the bottom of the field, hey, stand there. We're not going to waste your legs. We're not going to run you downfield. We know we're isolating half the field and we're going to, we're going to put the ball up and we're going to let it go happen. So as, as they, they work here, my, uh, looks like my, my video is being a little bit slower than I want it to be. But as they release down the field, you'll see the inside receiver attacks outside, pulls the corner with him so that as the, the outside receiver that had stacked right underneath, as soon as he uh, kind of tucks behind, he sees the corner turn and run. He bends right back to the outside, darts able to throw in rhythm, and Ole Miss starts the game with an explosive play. So right out the bat, they've, they've shown good pass protection. You do it, they get a great job in pass pro by the young tight end. Um, the tailback comes across, helps in pass protection. He's leaking out late to the flat. He becomes the check down to that side if they need it. And Ole Miss starts off with the 30 plus yard play right there to, uh, to, to start the game. So coming out again, you know, games like this, teams are going to, you know, teams are going to start dialing in on tendencies, uh, very early in the season. So you want to, do some things in games like this early if you can to try and beat some tendency. So starting right there, first play of a drive of a possession, first down, starting with the downfield pass, right? You're you're telling teams do not load the box against us on first down just because we got a special kid in the backfield. We're going to take shots. And if you want to stress your secondary, we're going to take advantage of it. So big play, Ole Miss comes back the very next play something very common for them. They get into their tempo and they get into some type of run scheme. One of the biggest run schemes that that, uh, that you saw from Ole Miss last year was they use a lot of what is known as GT counter. So they're going to block down with the left side of the offensive line. They're going to pull the right guard to kick. They're going to pull the right tackle to wrap around. Now Ole Miss has a couple of different backfield actions that they'll use on this play. And this is one of their big ones. They will put the tailback on a toss sweep path, and the quarterback is actually going to read the end. If that end chases the toss, he's going to keep it, and he's going to follow his pulling lineman. If that end tucks and uh, squeezes and follows the pulling lineman, they'll toss the ball out. They're going to build their wall on the edge by using uh, their two receivers, who are both in condensed splits, to go crack and give them um, give them an edge on the perimeter. So here again, second play of the game, Ole Miss gets the defensive end. He squeezes right away. They toss it out right now. They don't do a great job on the perimeter. They actually lose the linebacker that they go to crack. They probably like to do a little bit better job on him, but they get enough of him and Judkins is able to stick his foot in the ground, make the first guy miss. And it still turns into about a seven yard gain on this very first run play. So again, use the misdirection, use the eye candy. They do a good job getting to the safety, create a nice little gain. Doing that after a big play, doing that out of tempo, you know, give you know, often is going to get the defense in a somewhat base call. Okay, and give you a, a favorable look. So now Ole Miss is going to come out and it is a second and three. They're across midfield. There's a lot of coaches that will talk about this area of the field. 
So uh, one thing that you'll hear people refer to it sometimes is the alumni zone. This is the area of the field where you're going to oftentimes try to put up big plays. You're going to go try to create the 40-yard touchdown throw. Um, you're going to try to generate explosives. The other thing is typically second and short yardage situations are often considered waste downs. If you feel good about your ability to convert on third down, you know, second and eight, second and nine, you need a good play call because you don't want to be in third and eight, third and nine. Second and three, you're willing to be a little bit more risky, maybe take a little bit more of a chance, especially in this part of the field, because you feel better about your ability to convert third and three as opposed to third and nine. So here, Ole Miss is just going to, again, they're going to go back to their RPO game. So they're going to motion one of their slot receivers across. And so my question here that I would have for the coaches is were they expecting this type of coverage into the boundary where they were going to get the true one-on-one to the bottom side of the field? Or were they expecting a too high safety look? And if I had to guess, and it's kind of the reason that I would imagine they use the motion here, is the motion helps you regardless of what coverage structure you get. When you bring this receiver in motion, if they're a too high team, it is likely that one of these defenders, most likely the safety, is going to have to come down and be affected by the jet sweep. That opens up window to throw the ball behind him as he rotates in coverage. If he doesn't rotate in coverage, that also makes it a very easy read for the quarterback to know to hand the football off. So they get this other look. They they get three into the boundary. They get a clear one-on-one on the backside. So now the only player that affects your RPO is this overhang defender right here. Okay. Again, because of the use of jet sweep, he has to go be the force player for the defense, which now again vacates all of this space behind him. So what they're going to do is they're going to bring jet motion. The tailback is going to be fit into the run game. And Dart is going to decide pretty quickly based off of all this grass, based off the leverage and the cushion that he's getting from this corner right here. He's going to get into his run fake. He's going to solidify that there is nobody in taking away that route side space for his receiver on this glance route, and he's going to pull it. And the ball is almost slightly behind but it, it it ends up playing to his favor. The receiver does a great job tucking the ball in and is just able to turn and go separate away from, from the action. It's, it's good recognition by Dart to see all the open space there. Uh, the timing is, is solid. Um, you can see as you go to the end zone copy here. Lane liked it. Lane loved it. Yeah. He, he loved a few things early in this game. So you can see here. When Dart, when we, when he snaps the ball, the jet sweep is, is not a factor. The, that guy's never going to get that ball. So right now, Dart's eyes are gone. Is anybody in the way of my glance route? There's nobody in the way of his glance route right there. When say, so when you say that, he's, he looks down to make sure there's not a, a safety or a linebacker that moved into that passing route. He's, in the passing he's, lane, I should say. It, yes. He sees right now, he sees this guy attacking. He knows this safety is still back here on this hash, and he has a ton of room now to go work that football. So he so he, he knows he has an alley to throw the ball. Absolutely. Okay. And the, the split by the receiver being wide to the field helps 
because now that really lives at a lot of ground for yeah. the secondary to try to have to cover and rotate. And again, he does a good job. And this is such an important part of modern day football. When you watch here with this fake happening on the quarterback's left to be a right-handed quarterback, he's going to turn and his throwing arm is now downfield. So he's going to have to come out of that mesh and get back on platform is the term that a lot of people use to get his feet set so that he can get into a good throwing motion right there. And again, he's able to throw an accurate ball. And not only is his receiver able to make a catch, but he's able to turn it into an explosive play just on the third offensive play of the game. So Ole Miss comes back out. It's the next drive. Again, it's its possession in 10, first drive of the possession. Um, statistically, if you really dive into the analytics of football, and we know that Lane is an analytics guy, uh, statistically, the more successful you are on possession in 10, the first play of a drive, the more likely it is that you score points at the end of that drive. Uh, there's been studies done at all levels, and every one of them will show if you are plus five on possession in 10 from a yardage standpoint, your percentage of scoring is up. If you're plus seven, it's even higher. And if you can get a first down on the first play of a possession, it the 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 likelihood of you finishing that drive with points escalates greatly. So it's it, it's a, a real focus for a lot of coaches. Is that psychology, or what, what do you think that is? Is that hey, we get some momentum, or or is that I, I I I that probably does play a little bit of factor. The other thing, you know, especially if you're getting a first down on, on the first play, um, it, it also your field position starts to change. Yeah, sure. You know, that's that's kind of the other piece of it. Um, and then when you when you play the game the way Ole Miss does, if you can get a big play, whether it's a seven eight yard play or it's a twenty eight yard play. They like to get in their tempo a lot and get rolling, yeah. and they just start getting into their comfort zone. Yeah, for um, sure. But, but again, you know, so much of this game is about staying out of third and long situations. And so if, if you're starting a drive backed up on your 20 or 25 and you end up with two-yard gain on first down, minimal gain on second down, and you're in a third and seven, just on third play of the drive, it's a whole other ball game than being third and two or being – second and two on the third play of the drive, you know, because uh, you, you started the drive in, in such positive fashion. So Ole Miss is actually going to go back here, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to skip to the end zone copy of this one. So they're going to go back to the same counter scheme that we showed you earlier, okay? And what they're going to do now, when they ran it earlier, they had two receivers out to the side. So here they're going to start with a tight end to the right, and they're going to motion a second receiver over. Now, when they ran it earlier, the tailback was on the quarterback's right. The O-line pulled to the left, and they tossed it. Here, they're going to work what they call their bash. It's something we saw from Ole Miss a ton last year. So now the tailback is going to come in front of the quarterback, but the quarterback's reading it the same way that he did earlier. They're still blocking down with the left side of their line. They are going to pull the right side. The guard is going to pull to kick. The tackle is going to pull, and he's going to wrap around. They're going to take the tight end. He's going to reach, and they're going to take this receiver who's going to help crack, and that's how they're going to set that edge. We're still going to read this end man on the line of scrimmage, whoever they've declared is their read key here. If he's upfield, the quarterback keeps it. 
if he uh, squeezes with the offensive line or takes takes the downhill player, then they're going to hand this ball off on the perimeter. So here, Dart catches the snap. Immediately, his eyes go to 49. Tight end is working outside of 49. Dart right now sees the hesitation and is out of the mesh. He knows right now I can't hand this ball off, so I'm going to pull it right now, and I'm going to follow my big my big guys. Ole Miss does a good job blocking this up front. They handle the movement. Um, as the guard pulls, his goal is 78 pulls here. His goal is to kick out this defensive end, but this defensive end plays a squeeze technique, so he's going to try to ride the hip down and get underneath that kick out. So this means the offensive uh, line is going to do what's called a log check. So he is now going to turn, and he's going to wash that end in, and my tackle is going to have to pull wider now for the next guy in. Now, you can see this is a successful play for Ole Miss. I think they gained seven or eight yards maybe. But you can see if Dart actually hits it tighter and does not trip, there is absolutely an explosive play with him potentially being in a foot race with the safety. I mean, the whole two of me could go through there and that's saying something. So Ole Miss has executed everything they want right here. He probably hits it a little bit wide, and then right as he gets into it, he trips right there. And I I watched it probably five times today trying to – did he trip on his own lineman or trip on his own feet? I think he hit Pettis' – get him from the press box? I think he hit Pettis' foot just barely. That That's what I thought too. I just kept watching. But even if he doesn't hit it tighter, even if he just doesn't trip there, you see it's another big play to start the drive. It's again, it's it, their quarterback run game in particular. Their quarterback read game is an important part of what they do, and so they were able to get that clicking. And he made good decisions in that part of the game. Now, this is one nothing major happens here, but I actually wanted to show it because I it's something that I I don't remember Ole Miss doing a ton of last year. It's something that Lane actually started doing more of. Uh, when he was at uh, FAU in particular for the year that he had Kendall Browles working with him. Um, and it's it's something that's that's out of that Browles family tree of offense uh, where they run a ton of choice routes. And so much like Tennessee uh, does right now. Okay, so they're doing it two different ways here. To the field, it looks like they have a slot choice, Okay meaning that this this inside receiver is working vertical and he is reading the safety. If that safety turns to get over the top, he is going to stick his foot in the ground and he's going to come right back downhill in what's essentially an inside curl route. Okay, The outside receiver is pushing vertical to go clear things out. Down here at the bottom of the screen, they have the same thing going, but now they're going to switch the release of these two guys. So now the outside receiver is going to stem inside vertical and he's going to bend his route now. And the inside receiver is going to come right behind him and he's reading this corner. If that corner disappears, chases something inside, that he's going to stay vertical in his route and this just turns into a wheel route. And if that corner gets depth and stays over the top of it, he's going to put the brakes on and come right back downhill just like the player at the top of the screen did. So I was, I was curious to see there were a couple different times in the game where I thought they were working some type of a choice concept. Um, but the other thing about this, you know, maybe there's an opportunity for him to throw that outside curl right there. There's kind of a backer underneath 
They did have a little stun on protection. Wasn't great right here, but I do think, let me go to my end zone copy. And I talked about this with Chase on the, on the post game show. I do think there was some growth and some times where you saw Dart getting all the way through his concepts, finding the guys late in the progression, finding check downs. And this was one of those times. Okay. In the pocket, he's looking downfield. He knows what his reads are. He works from one side of the field to the other. He feels danger in the pocket. Last year, this is 100% a tuck it, try to run situation for Jackson Dart. For right sure. here, he right gets there. his feet underneath him. He knows where his check down is right here. And it's it's, it's a minimal gain. It's, it's not a big play. It's, it's nothing that it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe he did that. But, but what last, it is last is year he would have tucked that and taken a hit. A- absolutely. Here he understands. Hey, I know the system. I know where my guys are going to be. I'm gonna I'm gonna dump this thing off right here, and hopefully he can get something. But the big thing is I'm not eating a sack. You know what's not interesting, Pete? Behind what's, what's interesting is I had a conversation with Jackson in early August about last season, and he said, you know, there were some times. And it was just me and him. It wasn't one of those big group setting things. He said, there were some times when you got to remember it was new. And I was adjusting to something new, completely different than what he did in high school, completely different than what he did at USC. And he said, there were some times when things got gray. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, a lot of times you read black or white. You you go here if if this, here if that. And he said, and there were times though where it, and it goes, and it's moving quick in the SEC. Obviously, you're playing Alabama and LSU and Auburn and Arkansas and Texas A&M and whoever, right? I mean, they got athletes on the other side, so things are going quickly. You got to make decisions. He goes, and sometimes I would do something where I wasn't completely sure that was the right decision. It was a little bit of that, you know, you pull into traffic, kind of hoping that you're clear, and if you're not. It's not good, right? You crash. And so it was it was kind of like that. And he gets some of his mistakes where I, I made mistakes in the gray. And and there's, you know, there that that was definitely a thing. And, and you know, I'm not gonna tell you he had the perfect game. He had a great game, but it wasn't the perfect game. But I mean, no quarterback's ever gonna play the perfect game. But part of his if there were things I were gonna say that maybe they wish he would have done differently. Some of them worked out the way that if if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. You know, but like, so this play, as you were saying that, which kind of popped in my head. So right here, this is, uh, it's an RPO, okay? And the truth is it, it turns into, you know, if I, as I let it run, it turns into a great throw and catch uh, on the sidelines for another explosive play early in this game. I mean, it was a phenomenal catch. The truth is, a lot of things say that he should hand this football off. Um, but he sees a one-on-one matchup. He trusts his receiver out to the field. And so he decides, I'm going to put it in a chance where he can go make a play. And he throws a great back shoulder ball, and his receiver makes a great catch. If you look on this, what Ole Miss is trying to do, and maybe Dart decides, okay, they have a six-man in the box that we can't block. Because what they're really trying to do right here is they're going to base on this front side. The center's going to block back. He's going to block out, and they're going to pull this tackle, and he is pulling for the linebacker. 
And if number three is who shows, that's who he's going to take right here. But technically, you know, if, if they're counting this guy as a backer being in the box, then okay, his box read says, I'm out-hatted. I've got to push the ball outside. I have three receivers to my left. They're all running hitches. Nobody is open pre-snap. So I've got to take my one-on-one to the field. He doesn't hesitate at all. He knows, I mean, look at him. He knows right now. He's like, oh, I, I got my matchup. I'm going to take it. Okay. If you watch it play out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. If he were to hand that ball off. Oh, he's got such a lane. Because of... Because of the technique that Zero ended up playing, you know, Judkins probably watching this game going, Jackson, I love you, baby. Man, you didn't help me out, you know, because there were some yards to be had. So, again, (laughs) it's not a bad decision. If he's counting Zero as the six-man, the unblocked guy in the box, I have to make the decision to take my matchup right there. Um, The technique that that guy ended up playing, the handoff could have very easily worked in Ole Miss's favor, but instead it turns into a great highlight real catch. But my big thing was there was no hesitation, right? The ball wasn't late. The ball, he he knew right away, hey, I think I've got him outnumbered in my box. I know I've got a matchup. I'm going to back shoulder this ball if he doesn't beat him off the line right now. And because in the RPO world, because he's going to show this mesh with the tailback at the start of this play, what he's able to see right now is did he beat him at the line of scrimmage? And if he did, the ball can go up and over the top. And if he didn't, then the ball can be back shoulder, which is exactly what he does right here. And it ends up being a great play. So, um, Kind of moving forward, there's really just um, just one more that I really want to show you um, on, on this this particular clip from the offense. Okay, and this is when we talk about Jackson Dart getting through his progression and getting late into the concept and and still operating the offense and understanding what he's being asked to do. 
this is a great example. This was the third touchdown um, early in the game. Okay, Ole Miss spends a ton of time running what's known as Y cross, and they have a couple of different variations, and they have different ways uh, that they will do it. And so the way they're going to do it here at the beginning of the play, so they're going to come out with two receivers to either side of the offense. Let me get this thing to load. Okay, so to the boundary on the short side of the field, what they're going to do is they're going to make it look like a wide receiver screen. Tight end is going to go run at the corner almost as if he's going to block him. And once he attacks that corner, he is then going to release downfield on a vertical ball. The outside receiver is going to show the key screen, so he's going to act like he's running that little quick screen. From the field, the slot receiver is going to run the deep cross, so he's going to release inside the first guy. He's going to climb, and then he's going to level out, and he's going to run for the open space that's been voided hopefully by that safety. The outside receiver, the way Ole Miss most often runs it, is going to push deep, and then he is going to curl back inside and find the void, okay? The way a lot of people teach this, and I can't tell you that it's it's how Lane teaches it, but the way a lot of people teach this, okay, is as a quarterback pre-snap, I'm going to split the field in half, Okay. If there are three defenders over two receivers to my my initial read side, my my quick game side, if you will, then I know that unless the picture changes, unless there's a blitz, something happens that I'm not able to work that side of the field. I'm going to make sure at the top of my drop, I'm going to solidify it remains three over two. If all of a sudden this guy were to blitz, now somebody over here has got a one-on-one matchup. Maybe I like it. Maybe I win right? If that backer doesn't blitz, I'm outnumbered over there. It's it's unlikely I'm going to find success. So I have to get my eyes back in my progression, which would take me to my crossing route, to my curl route. And if everything goes as planned, my tailback is probably going to leak back out to the flat over here to help open that curl window. Okay. So you can see right here, pre-snap, Jackson's looking to his right. He sees there's three defenders over two. They're showing a zone look. He knows right now the likelihood of him working the right side of his field here is it's probably not going to happen, okay? He's going to solidify that as he gets into his drop right here. He gets a quick mesh. He's going to turn and pump it. They've attacked, okay? But because they're three over two, he doesn't think he's going to be able to win that matchup into the boundary. So he's going to get eyes backside right now and he's going to start looking for his crossing route. He sees the safety over his crossing route, staying over the top of it, knows right now it might have a chance to be open, but it's it's most likely covered. So he is already getting all the way back to what in theory is the third or fourth guy in his progression, and he's able to get the ball out in rhythm, and then you just let your receiver go do special things. Right, but you you get a good, good look here from the end zone. Okay, he checks both sides. Boom, he's looking to his right. He gives the pump fake. He's already moved on. He is looking. Is there anything here to take away my crossing route? Okay, he sees the safety over the top of it, so he has already moved on. There it is. Boom, balls out right now in rhythm before the corner can react, and then my receiver goes and makes it worth it all for me. That's what makes this show so cool. I mean, I, I'm not trying to blow sunshine <clears throat> to you, but 
watching that live, I would never have gotten that. Um, he, he, in some ways, he's the fourth option, Harris. And in some yeah. ways, he's the second option. But I don't know that Jackson Dart makes that play last year. There were times where it might have happened last year, but I would venture to say that a lot of times when it happened last year, and this is this isn't fact based, this isn't. I would venture to say that a lot of times it's because pressure pushed him backside, and now that's your relief when that happens. Yeah, right? I don't know how many times his natural progression and understanding got him there versus the necessity of getting there yeah. because of what's happening around him. That's a good way to put it. I just think people forget. I I, I kept saying it last year. He was 19 years old. I mean, he, there was, there was a lot. And, a lot and of, listen, a lot of stuff happening fast, right? A lot of stuff happening fast. And here's the thing. He's probably been running some variation of that play since he was 15 years old. That doesn't mean it's coached the same way. Some right. teams run a post on the backside. Some teams run a dig on the backside. Ole Miss runs the curl on the backside. Sometimes they tag the post. Hell, they may read it. Some teams do that, right? So all, you know, there's so many different variables. And again, some guys teach it different. Some guys are going to progress it a little bit differently. Um, so all, even if he's run a similar version of that scheme for five years, that doesn't mean he's running it the way Ole Miss is running it. And he certainly hasn't been running it against SEC defenses, right? Yeah. But now, he, it's under his belt a little bit, and I do think he's feeling a little bit more comfortable. So, um, all right. So let's let's push on. Let's let's watch a little bit of uh, Tulane again. This is from last year. You know what a uh, helmet game the, this was. What a hel- oh, great, a what great, a helmet game. A great this helmet Tulane, game. I, I, Southern Cal, God Almighty. Listen, I, I've got an angry wave T-shirt, and I I, <laughs> I didn't go change after practice tonight, but I. I've got an. I won't be wearing it this weekend, but I enjoy my Angry Wave T-shirt. It's a fantastic mascot for sure. Um, so great, 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 uh, great helmet matchup here. So, um, you know, just kind of again coming back to there's things they do that are very similar to things you'll see from Ole Miss. Um, this is not the exact same personnel, but a lot of these bodies are the same. The tailback's gone. Um, but 87, who caught the game winner in this game, is their starting tight end that was productive for them last week against South Al. Uh, number four, Jaquan Jackson, um, is, is not the biggest receiver, but that dude can flat out get it. I mean, he can fly and they find ways to get him the ball. They get it to him underneath. They push him down the field. Um, I think he had three for 106 and a touchdown last week. Um, he, you know, he, he's a very effective player. Uh, number six is another speedy guy for them out wide. I have four for 96 last week. Um, so that they have guys, they had, they had three guys last week. When I looked at the box score, they had three receivers that averaged 24 yards or more per catch. So that shows you their ability either to push it down the field or generate explosives with underneath concepts. Um, and it shows obviously the ability of the quarterback to, to connect with them. So, one of the things that I like about what they do is they are not afraid to take shots. You know, this is this is fairly early in their offensive version of the game. Um, so they they come out in an unbalanced set. And look, it, I mean, this is an incompletion. This isn't some major, oh my God, what an amazing play. But for me, it's about showing you they're gonna give you too tight, they're gonna give you two back, 
They're going to give you four wide. They're going to give you empty. They're going to motion. They're going to give you unbalanced sets. They're going to give you a lot of different looks. Uh, they're they're going to make you, you know, probably adjust to their personnel to some degree um, as they find their matchups and do different things. And so they come out here, they're unbalanced. This tight end is ineligible. Um, and they're going to come off this jet motion and they're going to work a post wheel. They're going to try to push a speedy receiver down the field. They're going to try to get the late wheel from the tight end here. The jet sweep guy becomes a, a swing pass out here. And USC does a nice job. Okay. Um, Pratt realizes pretty quickly he comes off of his fake, sets up. He realizes it's not there, starts to push out of the pocket. He is not afraid to go use his feet in any way, uh, shape, or form. He he likes getting active um, in the run game. Okay. Um, going back here, I mean, this is just, uh, you know, again, just an example, nothing crazy, but I talk about how they do some things similar to how Ole Miss is going to do it. And I'm going to put myself, whoops, wrong button. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to try to get us to the end zone copy right here. Okay. So a minute ago, we saw uh, Ole Miss, we talked about them running a, they run a counter read where they toss it or they'll bring a guy across. Ole Miss will also run a little bit of power read. So now instead of pulling the left side of the line here, okay, what they're actually going to do is they're going to block down with this side of the line. They're going to pull this guard around for the backer, and they're going to bring a receiver in jet motion, and they're going to read 48 or 49, whoever this guy is, off the edge. If he's upfield to take the jet sweep, then their quarterback's going to keep it. If he were to take the quarterback, quarterback's going to hand it off. But they are not afraid to get Pratt uh, involved in the run game early and often. He does a good job reading it in the run game, and he is a big, physical, tough kid. I'm not going to tell you he's the fastest quarterback, but, I mean, there's speed on the field for the USC defense. And th this is early in the second quarter right here. And, I mean, he pops off a big 30, 40-something yard run right there um, where they just over-pursue, and he's fast enough to cut it back get to the sidelines and go make something happen with it. So, you know, part of the reason I wanted to show that play is that's what Mercer ran the very first play of the game against the Ole Miss defense last week that went to the house, right? So, um, you know, I'm certain that that they've spent a good bit of time this week talking about quarterback run game and the different ways that they get to it and making sure that they can protect Power Reed because if you don't uh, if you don't give Pratt um, – the, the respect, you know, with his feet that he deserves, he can make you pay both as a design runner in the read game and just as a quarterback that'll scramble and get outside of the pocket. Okay. Um, Tulane last year, the early in the season when they almost beat, uh, beat Oklahoma a year ago, two years ago, whenever that was, um, you know, they, they had a big touchdown that kind of went viral because it was a nice play design. And it's one that everybody in America has stolen since then. And it probably wasn't original to them. Um, but they found a way to window dress what's kind of become one of the big third and medium uh, red zone schemes for a lot of teams. Ole Miss ran this exact scheme last Saturday um, and, uh, and, and almost had a, a touchdown off of it. So what they're going to do here is they're going to take this tailback and they're going to put him on a wheel route into the boundary. They are going to take this inside receiver is going to go right at the linebackers and he's going to work across the field on this mesh concept. He has the ability to sit down or continue running. 
one of these receivers from the backside is going to come right underneath him, and he's got the same option. He can either continue running to space, or if he finds a big window, he can sit down in the window. They're going to take this outside receiver. They're going to push him vertical, typically to about 10 yards, and then he's going to curl back. So what ends up happening right here is if these guys end up settling down, you create a triangle now where the two underneath guys have pulled apart the linebackers and you've got the guy sitting right behind them over the ball. Okay. If it's man to man, those guys are going to keep running. And then typically the other guy down here at the bottom is just going to run some type of like an out or a corner route. That's really only a part of your pre-snap progression. So what they're going to be looking for here is his first read is going to be this tailback on the wheel route. His second read is going to be whichever one of these guys is working this shallow mesh. And then his third read is going to be there to that, 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 the, the over the ball route at 10 yards. Okay. Um, here, if you catch defenses in man to man, you're trying to set picks. Okay. Here, what they're actually trying to do is peel this defensive end out to play man to man on this tailback. He's manned on him. He's manned on him and they're trying to get him man to man here. But because of the rubbing nature of these routes, they're going to set just enough of a pick on 99, get the ball out. And then again, the tailback's just a dude. And he goes and, and somehow ducks underneath that guy to, to make the play. But this, like I said, this is a, a concept and a scheme that's very common. It's one that Tulane will, will dress up a lot of different ways. They will get that tailback out on those rail routes, um, especially in the red zone, especially on uh, on on third and medium. Uh, when Ole Miss ran it last week, it was actually to the left going towards the south end zone. And if you recall, they it just the receiver got in the end zone. The, the over-the-middle guy slipped and wasn't able to come back to the ball. It ended up being called the drop. Um, had he not slipped and been able to come back to the ball, it probably would have been a completion, either a touchdown or just shy of the goal line. But again, you know, just a lot of similarities really in, in, in some of the things that these offenses will do. Um, right here, and this is some of the stuff that I think he does the best. He operates underneath and inside routes very well. He processes things quickly, and he's an accurate quarterback. So right here, they're going to put two quick game concepts together, okay? They're going to put together a stick concept. So this guy's going to outside release and push vertical. He's going to run a little five-yard stick route, and they're going to push this tailback to the field, okay? If he feels like this linebacker is expanding either to the motion or to the stick route, he's going to come backside where they've now got a double slant, Okay. Because as long as my slot receiver can cross the face of this linebacker, there's nobody in the middle of the field. If that Mike linebacker doesn't leave, if he stays in the box, then it's going to be hard to work my backside slant. But now I've created a numbers game where I should have an easy throw on the front side of the formation. So here Pratt sees it pretty quickly. Back pushes out. The Mike linebacker starts to expand immediately. He right now comes back, finds his slant route. Great anticipation. They work a little zone drop right here where zero, the end, drops out. So technically, they should have enough numbers to potentially defend the concept on the backside. But it's hard. The receiver does a good job right now. He's taught one step and go. 
He feels the guy dropping. He can't get underneath him, so he adjusts his route. Pratt's patient. He knows where he's going with his ball. And as soon as he clears, boom, there it is right there to one of his best playmakers. And that's number four, Jaquan Jackson is back again. And again, he finds the open grass. He throws a catchable ball, and he lets his speed go be speed. Oh, yeah, that was a nice play. He, he, and you, you can see it here from the end zone. That was really patient on Pratt's part. Very, very, again, it just shows an understanding of what they do, and they, they run yeah. this concept a decent amount. There it goes. He knows where he's working. Wait, wait, wait. Boom, accurate ball. Let him go get it. Okay? Yeah. Easy, easy, easy throw and catch. Yeah. All right? And then that's a um, an athlete right there. Oh, absolutely. Okay? Um, I'm going to skip forward a little bit. So yeah, if, you're listen, if, if you're listening to this in podcast form, you you owe it to yourself to find the YouTube feed. I get that some of you don't like YouTube. I get it. I understand. But if you'd seen what we just saw, in the event that you're listening and you haven't watched, go watch. You'll see. You'll have an appreciation for the play that Michael Pratt just made. I, I can only do so much uh, without talking too much. Some people probably get tired of hearing me. So. Um, you know, here, you know, this is an example. They do a good job of finding leverage and numbers in the run game. So right now, this formation looks like what would be known as 11P. It looks like one tight end, three receivers, one running back. But actually, they have their second tight end is out in the slot. So they're going to start in what looks like one tight end formation. They're going to motion him in to create a two tight formation. And they're just, again, they're just, they're going to find ways to create numbers. They snap it while he is on the move right there. And they're able to build numbers. Now, the truth is, there's no reason for this to turn into the, the explosive long touchdown run that it is. Okay. But because the, the, the linebacker absolutely just misfits it for USC. Okay. But if, uh, if you watch it from the end zone copy, if they block it right, it really still should have hit anyway. So what they're doing right here is they're the tight end and the right tackle. So they brought that slot receiver from the left. They snapped it as he got to the tackle box, and he's coming across to kick the widest defender. The tight end who was lined up on the right and the right tackle should be double teaming up to that linebacker. Everybody else is working combos out the backside, and now that tailback should just be reading this front side linebacker. If that front side linebacker fits inside, I'm going to cut outside. If he fits outside, I'm going to cut inside. So his read here shows him that this linebacker's downhill. So he pops out. His double team did not get to the backer. The outside receiver is going to come crack the safety. And because they're playing man to man, the corner blindly runs himself out of the potential play. And the tailback is able to make one guy miss in the hole and go turn it into a, another huge run in the game. So they they do a nice job, you know, for what they do in the passing game. They do a really nice job, uh, kind of finding some things and finding some numbers um, in the uh, in the run game as well. All right, let me see if this is the clip that I want to show. I think it is. Ah, that's the next one I'm looking for. All right. So just another example of, of Pratt doing a nice job 
finding uh, finding the same same type of underneath routes. Okay, does a nice job right here. Again, it's another slant route uh, to to one of his receivers. They're they're running uh, you know something very similar uh, to to what they ran before from a read standpoint. Anyway, they're actually going to run a little snag route and a wheel on the outside. They're in an empty formation. The number three receiver is going to run a little return route, and then he's going to continue to work that slant <clears throat> from the boundary. The idea behind this play is very much the same as the one we looked at earlier. What does the Mike linebacker do? If he expands, then I'm going to work my numbers on the backside. If the Mike doesn't expand, I'm going to work my front side. Well, the Mike is plussed out pre-snap. He's already cheated that way. Pratt in his drop is going to solidify that that's where the ball's going. Oh, and wow. now Look they're going to come back. And it's really more of a glance route. It's deeper than a normal slant route. Why is USC okay. not playing dime here instead of nickel? Uh, listen. You're, you're up 15 with four and a half to go in the Cotton Bowl. They're, um, no comment. That's, okay. that's, that's, so sometimes <laughs> that's all I can say about the way that they choose to play defense. I mean, you're running nickel here. You should run dime. You, you know, even if not that, just you know, find a way to protect the middle of the field because yeah. that, that's one place that they've hurt them several times throughout the course of this game. But again, you right here, you're saying, Hey, what we can't do is give up explosive plays. If they want to, if they want to nickel and dime us up the field and eat four minutes, fine. Absolutely. Sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, that's absolutely what you're looking at. So here he goes. He solidifies. Where's 18. Yep. He stays strong. He comes back and assuming it is a dot. Could not have thrown a better ball. Hell of a throw right in front of him. The anticipation there leads his receiver. And again, there he goes. Um, Jaquan Jackson, again, kid that, that should be on the field uh, this weekend, um, you know, puts it on him right now and gives him a chance to run. I believe it's the same kid as, as last year. Um, all right. So now I'm going to skip forward here, and I'm going to go to this. is This is all from the last drive of of this Cotton Bowl game. I mean, you, you go back here, you can see the clock. I think it said, what, there's 33 seconds left yeah. on the clock. What a moment for this program. This. Yeah, this is awesome. Yeah. So great, great job by Pratt right here. Kind of almost breaks some of the basic one-on-one quarterback rules, but it's a great job. They get they have two receivers to either side of the formation. They're out wide. They're stacked up, okay? And to both sides right here, they're just going to work. Um, you know, they're just going to try to push the ball down the field. So on one side, at the bottom of the screen, to the left of the quarterback, the guy that's on the line of scrimmage is going to push vertical, and the guy to the bottom is going to act like he's running the little screen, similar to what Ole Miss did on the clip we looked at earlier with Dart where he got all the way backside. So up top, they're going to work one guy on a dig route, and they're going to work one guy on a post. So this kind of two-man concept is one that Steve Spurrier made real popular. It's a lot of times referred to as a Mills concept. So this front side is all designed to occupy any type of front side safety. What you're doing on the back side is you're trying to read this safety. If he comes down on the dig route, you want to put the ball over his head on a post route. And if he plays with depth to guard the post, you want to work the underneath and hopefully give your guy a, a chance to run right here. Okay. So Pratt is going to feel a little pressure. They rush four, work a stunt. He feels a little pressure. Nothing's open early. And he just keeps working. His eyes are downfield. He keeps good presence about him. 
and he finds his tight end who drifts to the middle of the field, finds a huge window and sits. And Pratt has enough wherewithal about him to know this is where my guys should be. And in theory, that guy should be working back to his vision, but he finds a window and he sits and Pratt finds him, makes a great throw back across his body to now get them down close to the red zone inside of 30 seconds, trailing in this game in a a pretty high pressure situation. But you can see, never panics, eyes downfield the whole time, finds it, boom, accurate pass, rip the ball. Okay. Come back a couple plays later. And I just thought this was this was a beautiful ball. I mean, a beautiful ball. So we saw him earlier. We saw him throw a slant. We saw him throw uh, throw a glance route, which is kind of a hybrid between a slant and a post. But right here on this clip, he is going to rip a seam. So they're in empty again, okay? And his inside receiver is going to work straight up the field. And this weak safety is going to start to rotate back to this hash. And as soon as Pratt sees it, he unleashes just a rip right up the seam, hits his receiver in stride. He catches them rotating coverage. The corner doesn't have a chance to get over. And if if that ball is any – I mean, the kid takes a shot. Yeah. But if that ball is thrown any later than it is or that ball is thrown with any more touch than it is, his receiver really gets laid out. The corner might make a play. But the other thing about this, and you talk about touch, if you watch from the end zone, it is an impressive throw to get it over the linebacker and still drop it right over the backer, right into the seam, hits his guy in stride. You see, we talked about Will Levis last year. That's an NFL throw. We, We talked about Will Levis last year, and what we said was people like his ability to manage a pro style offense. When you watch this kid, and it's where I think the praise come from, is he has an understanding of what they're trying to do offensively, and he can rip big throws. Yeah, and and so he he has a live arm. This is the game winner right here. It initially, I believe, gets called incomplete and gets overturned um, during replay. But they're they're just they're going to work a little concept down here uh, to the bottom of the field. So. He's going to work a little slant or stick route. His outside guy is going to work a post behind him, and then they're going to just have a fade on the outside. So he is just working to high-low this linebacker, essentially. His tight end attacks, wins inside, and he just trusts him and puts it on him right now. Ball couldn't have been thrown any better. Kid makes one hell of a catch. Um. But from a placement standpoint, um, you know, Pratt's numbers in this game weren't big. His He ended the game better than – but a lot of us because they were having – they ran, I think the tailback ran for 200-something yards and three touchdowns. Like, they were running the crap out of the football. But when they needed him the most, the kid found a way to make some plays. And when you watch all their games from last year, he's got a live arm. He does some good things. So, coming out of last – uh last weekend and I, I haven't it's been a busy week for me but um i heard some rumors that on uh on the make it rain podcast that uh there might have been some talk about the old miss defense and so yeah um, tyler uh tyler tyler siski had some strong words for uh the old miss defense i think the adjective that he used was terrible I, that's 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 what the message board seemed to yeah. indicate um i 
I stayed Switzerland in this and admitted that, hey, look, to me, if I'm in the jury box, I need more evidence one way or the other. I'm not prepared to say that this defense is good. I'm not prepared to say it's bad. I heard a lot of people that I trust say that they have some concerns about speed. That that was my one thing from from defensively. I thought that they, and I, I said this to Chase after the game, I thought they leveraged the ball better than they've done the past few years. They had a better understanding of how they were supposed to fit, getting guys where they were supposed to be. Their speed on the field is what right now I have some questions about. And I, I think from a personnel standpoint, some things might look a little different than they looked on Saturday because of a need at times to get more speed on the field um, that maybe they didn't feel like they had to do last weekend. But um, but that's the question for me is how fast is this defense? How fast can the defense play? And um, I think that this two-lane group of receivers and Pratt are going to uh, – they're going to be a good test for Ole Miss to find out what that looks like. Am I crazy for still no matter what? I have a lot of respect for Tulane, but I just still I, – I I don't think they're going to be able to stop Ole Miss very much. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, I still think this is a pretty – not easy, but comfortable win for Ole Miss. To, to me, it's going to be about – if Ole Miss can do offensively what I think they can do, they'll be fine. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it's – if they get into a situation where it's a turnover game, you know, then then now you have to worry. But if if Ole Miss can can put points on the board the way they're capable of putting points on the board, I, I'm with you. Um, Ole Miss should be the deeper, better team, but the defense is going to have to prove itself, and Ole Miss is going to have to continue. That's the one thing. As good as Ole Miss looked offensively last week, they also weren't strained. Yeah. Right. Oh, if, for if sure. Tulane, for sure. Tulane has the ability to strain them to 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 press and do some different things on the outside to pressure. Maybe maybe it looks a little bit different, but it's a it is a good early season matchup. Um, and I I, I do agree with Kiffin. I mean, I'm not going to tell you they're they're Georgia by any means. Um, but you know when he said you talk about playing what a nine game schedule in the SEC, this is the type of game that you would get in that ninth game. Whether you know whether you're playing Missouri or South Carolina or Vandy or Kentucky or whoever, right? Teams that have talent. Tulane is a comparable roster in a lot of ways. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I mean, look, Mercer, Mercer would go zero and twelve against Ole Miss's schedule. They they wouldn't beat Georgia Tech. They wouldn't beat Tulane. They wouldn't beat ULM. But they would be paid well. They would get paid well, yes. But, I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, no ULM joke here. They would lose to ULM. It would yes. not be a particularly close game. So we didn't learn a lot. But they played the game. And, look, I always come back to this. And people – I think sometimes people get irritated with me because it's not dramatic enough. They're going to play Alabama on September the 23rd. They're going to start that game 0-0, zero to zero and they're going to keep score. And we'll find out a lot. I mean, I, I think if I'm if I'm Pete Golding – the truth is Saturday, I want to get strained. Yeah. Want to be tested. I want yes. to see on film what do I what do I have? Yeah. What do I need to fix? What do I have to Absolutely. work? Absolutely. I, I you know, like there was this and there's a fan thing, like when Pratt 
kind of came up lame a little bit. Like, oh, maybe he'll be hurt. You don't want Michael Pratt to be hurt. No. You want Michael Pratt to play. As much as you don't want Michael Pratt to play, you want him to play. You, If your goal is to contend to get to Atlanta in early December, you need to get tested because the tests are coming. You know, I mean. Yeah, you, you, you don't want to show up against Alabama and get tested for the first time. No, 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 no. You, because you want to be healthy when you get there. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Yeah. But you don't want to show up untested and 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 face them the way that they ran the football last week and the way that it appears they're trying to play football right now. Yeah, you you need to be you know you have an exam on September the 23rd. The 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 professor has told you, "Hey, this exam's coming. You don't want to wait until September the 22nd to study." And that, that's not smart. You you want to get ready. So this is this is an opportunity for that. And I think Georgia Tech next week in some ways will be an opportunity for that as well. I think they're going to be a little bit uh, better perhaps than they were a year, a year ago. So we'll talk about that game next week on Pete's pigskin preview. We'll review Ole Miss and Tulane. We'll get you ready for Georgia tech, Ole Miss, a night game, September the 16th as that uh, big game in Tuscaloosa begins to loom closer and closer. Again, our thanks to the people at Riverland roofing for making this show possible. We certainly appreciate them. Uh, if you have roofing needs, make sure you reach out to the people at Riverland. They're great. They'll take great care of you. And uh, Pete, thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. For Pete DeWeese, I'm Neil McCready. That does it for this edition of Pete's Pigskin Preview presented by Riverland Roofing. Until next time, have a great weekend. If you're driving, be careful. Take care. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine. Stop noticing. But you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.